Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome to week two of a sermon series we are calling Frequency. A sermon series is a collection of talks around this big idea. And the big idea is that God wants to speak to us. And getting in the right frequency with him is our job of cutting through the noise to hear God's voice, to hear his direction, to hear his guidance. Hey, we're going to get into the word. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay too. This church is for you. That's why we put the verses on the screen. All right, so this is the screen, and that is the verse. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the priest at the time, so he was pretty much the head of the church, but also the head of Israel, because at that time there was no government. At that time the priest was the governor. So under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now let me pause here for a moment, because you might feel like you're living in those days right now. You might feel like you're living in a day and age where you don't really hear God or you've never heard from God. Your experience with church is maybe minimal. You didn't even know that God speaks to you and you're going through a season where you really could use some direction. You really could use some guidance from somebody who knows a little something about this world. And, and you're like, well, I feel like that. Honestly, I don't think this is such a discouraging verse. I think it's encouraging because the guy who wrote it said that the word of the Lord was rare, not that the Lord was silent. And there's a difference between silent and rare. Rare is he's speaking, but there are few people who are listening. And we talked about that last Sunday. If you missed it, it's okay. I'll give you the quick summary. This is the summary. God speaks, okay. And the reason, and the way we can hear him is by preparing ourselves to listen. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody. And 20 minutes after they finish talking, you have no idea what they were talking about. Come on, raise your hand, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, some of you guys are like, uh-huh, I'm sorry, I was on my phone. What would you say? Right now, as I'm preaching, get off your phone, okay. And if that's you, you understand that it's not enough to just hear, you know, sound waves come out of somebody's mouth. Like you actually have to what? Prepare yourself. To listen, there's actually some things that we have to do before the conversation can even begin to receive from that conversation. It's the same with the Lord. And that's the problem with the, with the Israelites right here. One of the things that keeps us from preparing is distraction, whether it be a phone or a television. They're being distracted. Distracted by what? Well, at this time, they don't really have a standing army. And so there are these group of people called the Philistines who are attacking them. And so in their mind, they don't have time to pray or talk to God because they got a fight going on. And by the way, that is one of the greatest lies of the enemy. Please catch this. We have, there is a devil. He is out to ruin your life. Here is how he's out to ruin your life, to keep you from prayer. How does he keep you from prayer? By saying, hey, there's an enemy to fight. You don't have time to pray. Hey, there's a job you got to go find. You don't have time to pray. Hey, there's a man you got to go get. You don't got time to pray. Hey, there's a kid you got to go raise. You don't got time to pray. But what the enemy will not tell you is that prayer is how I fight that battle. That prayer is how I raise that kid. That prayer is how I find that man. That prayer is how I get that job. Yes, I'm in a fight, but I'm not going to let that fight distract me from the thing that's going to help me win it. Amen? We're very interactive here if this is your first time. And so I'm going to need some talk back, okay? And so that's what we do. I preach and you say amen and it's all good for everybody. All right. Verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down. In the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. 
And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? And Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Verse 6, again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back to bed. And all the parents said, amen. <laughs> go back to bed. Didn't call you, man. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The third time the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And you didn't even know that the word tingle was in the Bible, but there it is. <laughs> tingle. He's a tingling Lord. You know what I'm saying? He is. Amen for the tingles. Anyway, I want you to tell your neighbor, we just believe church should be fun. I want you to tell your neighbor the title of this message. And normally I do this to get you engaged, but I really want you to say this because I want you to believe this. I want you to tap your neighbor, look at them like you know what you're talking about, even though this is your first time in church. And tell them the title of my message. Tell them, he speaks to me. Tell them, come on, tell them, he speaks to me. Speaks to me. He speaks to me. He speaks to me. You know, last Sunday we spoke about preparation, about preparing your heart to hear from God. But today we're actually going to talk about expectation. Because I have come to learn that expectation is the precursor to preparation. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Recently I got an invitation, an email invitation to go skiing and snowboarding with some pastors all over America. 20 pastors. I was like, I'm in. I had never been skiing or snowboarding before because I ain't rich, okay? And that's a rich people thing, all right? And so, and, uh, and if you go skiing, hey, we have a legacy team for you that I'd love to tell you more about. But <laughs> never been before. And so I, I said, but I want to go. And I didn't know much about it, though. And so, but it looked difficult. But I didn't know it was cold. And so I said, babe, do I have any cold clothes? She's like, no, we live in Florida. And I'm like, you're right. You know, and I'm not going to Colorado, you know, in my swim shorts. And so I said, we got to get some. We started looking. They were like $200, mad money to, to, to get all these, you know, the gloves. And then there's layers, you know, multiple layers. We went to four Walmarts to find, uh, what you call that, the, the Long Johns, yeah. And, and, and we, I don't know if that was they called, I don't even, yeah, to find Long John. Four Walmarts, they didn't have it. They're like, man, we live in Florida. I'm like, I'm going skiing, hanging out with some rich people. Shut up. Anyway, and so, you know, I, I, I couldn't find them. And so finally we found a website where you can actually order all that stuff online. So I was like, what, for a fraction of the price? So I was like, oh, cool, I'm in. So we went online, we ordered it all, and then you return it when you're done. How cool is that? So I was like, it's amazing. We found the best website ever. And so we got it, got the claim in the next day. Also down the street from my house, was this um, skiing and snowboarding, like, lodge. Like, I don't even know if you know this, but, like, in Winter Park on Aloma, um, I'm not going to tell you exactly where because then you'll know where I live, but there's a place <laughs> on Aloma that I live nowhere near uh, <laughs> where they do skiing and snowboarding. And you actually can get on a snowboard and a ski 
and actually practice before you get out on the slopes. So I was like, that's cool, but I got this. And so we went to Colorado. I went to Colorado. And um, I'm, I'm glad to say I was very, very warm. <laughs> but I had no idea what I was doing on the slopes. But everyone else did except for me and one other pastor. His name was Josh. Me and Josh are the only ones. Everybody, and, then, and everybody's like, all right, we're going to go hit the slopes. And they're like, everybody been skiing before? And we expected everybody to be like, yeah. But no, they were rich. I was like, nah, I've never been before. Just me and Josh. We were the only people who had our hand raised. Like, oh, you guys should probably go to like the, the, the baby bunny training thing. And 18 pastors left. It was just me. You ever been picked last on the dodgeball team? That's what it felt like. All the cool pastors going, all right, we'll see you. Me and Josh were like, so we went on the slope, and then finally we wanted to be with the cool guys. I mean, so we spent like, you know, four hours out there in the practice slope, thinking that four hours should have been plenty of time to get it. It was not. <laughs> we got on the green, because the slopes come in colors. Green is, you can do this. Yellow is, you probably shouldn't. Red is, you have life insurance, and that's what the levels are for. <laughs> and so... I got on green, and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I started doing it. And I was like, yeah, boy, I'm going so fast. Woo. And then I was like, I'm going so fast. <laughs> and the moment you realize you can't stop, all hell breaks loose. You're fine until you realize you can't stop. And then I'm just like, and you start wobbling, you know. I was on a snowboard. And I started wobbling. And then as soon as I wobbled, I went like this. And then that was it. As soon as I went like this, I went like this. Boom. I had to ask a friend of mine who played football because I had no idea what a concussion was. <laughs> so I asked Mike. I said, Mike, what's a concussion feel like? I'm like, he's like, well, what's your symptoms? I said, well, I'm pretty sure I saw a rainbow. <laughs> and I feel like I licked the battery like this. I'm metal in my mouth. He's like, that's a concussion. I'm like, awesome. Do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> I'm not sure. Am I dead? Am I, what's going on? And so, and I hit it. And, and here's what I want you to know. I prepared for the cold by getting, I, I, I had a concussion, but I was warm. <laughs> I, prepared for the, I prepared for the cold because I was expecting it to be cold. But I didn't prepare for the snowboarding because I was expecting it to be easy. You will only prepare for what you expect. I'll tell you another story. So Liz and I's first kiss, which I remember quite well. And I'm sure she still has dreams about it. But uh, it was, our relationship, our relationship started a little different, you know. Like we were six months, we had both come out of some really bad relationships. And we had spent six months just getting to know each other. Just, you know, and, and, and we had both known what our weaknesses were. And our weaknesses were in the physical realm, you know. And so she was really good looking and, you know, you know. And so I was like, we had, we had to set boundaries, you know. And so, which I would say I never thought I was good looking until she picked me. Then I'm like, there must be something here if she picked me. Which is also why we love God. Because when the world says we're worthless and he still picks us, we're like, he must see something. But that's another message. So, so, so for six months, we, we didn't even hold hands. Which, by the way, you are not weak for having weaknesses. And you are not strong for not having weaknesses. You are strong by being aware of your weaknesses and putting boundaries in place so that your weaknesses don't get the best of you. And so we knew we had a weakness, and that was physical things. And so for our first six months of talking, we didn't even hold hands. But then, she, then, she, you know, then we started dating, and, and we held hands. And it was the first night that she was over my house to watch a movie that I could just feel it. 
Have you ever felt it before? You're like, the kiss is going to happen tonight. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there in that relationship. You're like, when's that first coming? It's coming tonight. I can feel it. The, pop, the palpitations in the room, you know, like maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but it was in there, man. And it was, and I could feel, I was like, tonight's the, the kiss. And so when the movie finished, she got up and she went to go. And I was like, and I was like, whoa, 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 one second. And I went, and I went to the bathroom real quick and I pulled out the scope. And I was like, <laughs> came out real quick. And I was like, I walk you to the door. I walk you to the door. <laughs> and I got that kiss, okay? And, but listen, I got that kiss for a reason. As I was walking her to the door, I felt a confidence come over me. Like, I'm going to get this kiss. And the reason why I was confident was because I was prepared. And the reason I was prepared was because I was expecting it. And because I was expecting it, I did something in that moment that I would not have done if I wasn't expecting it. What did I do? I leaned in. I leaned in for the kiss, and I got the kiss, but I would have missed the kiss if I had not leaned in, if I had not been expecting. If you come into prayer with no expectations, expect nothing to happen when you leave. But if you expect God to speak to you when you take time to speak to him, you just pray differently. Here's what you do. You lean into God's presence. You lean into your words. You lean into your praise. You lean into your worship because you're expecting him to say something back to you. You are experiencing in prayer exactly what you're expecting to experience. So if you don't like what you're experiencing, expect something different. And here's why I think we struggle with expectation. Because it's not that we don't believe God speaks. Did you know that 80% of Americans believe in God? A fraction of them believe that God speaks to them, though. Therein lies the issue. Not that we don't believe that God speaks, but that we don't believe that God would speak to someone like us. We become the obstacle to our own expectation. I get that God would speak to a pastor or been to Bible college. I get that God would speak to a priest or a prophet. I, guess that God, I get that God would speak to a good person or somebody who's not living with their boyfriend. I, I get that God would speak to somebody who's not wrestling with drugs. I, but somebody like me, how in the world could God ever speak to somebody like me? And we put qualifications on communication that God never put on us. We set all these rules and regulations for God to speak to us. And he's never set one of those. Never set one of those. And if that's you today, and if you're struggling with who you are and why God would speak to you, then Samuel is your go-to Bible character hero. Let me tell you. Because if there's anybody who shouldn't have heard from God, it was him. Now, in order to understand Samuel, you've got to understand a little bit of his backstory, a little of his origin story, okay? Samuel had a dad who had two wives, which was okay back then, but not okay now. Don't get two wives, all right? Um, if you ask me, one wife is hard enough. Come on, somebody, all right? I cannot be remembering two anniversaries, two birthdays, you know, saying I'll make her eggs, but she likes pancakes. I'm all out messed up. I can't take care of that. So don't do it, all right? Not okay. But back then it was, and so they had two One wife had a ton of kids. The other wife, her name was Hannah. She had no kids. And she went praying in God's temple for God to give her kids. And that's awesome because she stopped speaking to her husband and started speaking to God, which, by the way, married people, or even if you're not married and you're a woman in the house, let me just tell you something. There are things that only God can give you that your man can't. And you need to stop coming to your man for the things that only God can fulfill in your heart. And so she realized that Eli, my husband couldn't give me what I need, and so she went to the Lord for it. Okay, and when she went to the Lord for it, she was praying so passionately that the pastor of the church actually thought she was drunk. Now, I don't know what that prayer sounded like or looked like for someone to think 
that you were drunk. I mean, what kind of prayer is that? A, stumb a stumbling, bumbling prayer? I mean, just a, this, this, Lord, I don't know what it looked like. But the pastor accused her of being drunk. And she said to him, she said, forgive me, I'm not drunk. I'm just desperate. When you're desperate for God to do something in your life, it, it, it looks different. And so she was desperate, and she said, God, would you give me a child? And then the pastor said, I'm so sorry, my bad. Uh, here she says in the Bible, my bad. And then puts hands on and says, and then he says, hey, may God give you what you asked for. And that night she goes home and conceives her child, names her child Samuel. There's only one wrinkle to the story. She lost the bet with God. That's why you don't bet God. She said, God, if you give me my son, I'll give him back to you. And so a couple years after Samuel had been weaned, she actually had to give him up to the church and gave him to be raised up in the church and gave him back to the temple. So now she's got Samuel in this temple. Now, fast forward to the story that we just read. Now, God is speaking to Samuel. But listen, Samuel is not hearing that it's God because he's not expecting God to speak to him because he's not even supposed to be there. What do I mean? The only people who could be by the Ark of the Covenant and minister to God were priests and prophets. But in order to be a priest, you had to be a son or a descendant of this guy named Aaron who was the first priest. Well, Samuel is not a descendant of Aaron. He is literally there because his mom lost the bet. He's in a place that he is not supposed to be, hearing from a God that he is not supposed to hear from. And so because he doesn't expect God to speak to him, he doesn't recognize God's voice. And so he goes to Eli and says, hey, did you call me? Because I know God didn't call me because I'm just Samuel and I'm not your son or anything like that. Eli's a descendant of Aaron. And so, and Eli says, no. And here's what I think happened from the very get, that Eli knew that God was speaking to Samuel. But he couldn't believe it either because who was Samuel? But then part two, but then part three, finally after the third time, before the fourth time, he goes, you know why Samuel? He's thinking, he's thinking, it can't be you, Samuel. I mean, God hasn't spoken to me in years. Why would God speak to you? You're Samuel, you're Samuel, you're Samuel. And as he's saying Samuel, it clicks in his mind. Because guess who Samuel was? Oh, guess what his name meant? I left it out for this moment. His name literally means God hears me. It's what his mama named him. After God gave her what she prayed for, she said, I'm going to name him God hears me. And so, 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 so Eli and Samuel in a conversation, he's like, Samuel, who are you? Samuel, Samuel, oh, you wouldn't even be here. If God didn't answer prayers, you wouldn't even be here if God didn't speak. You yourself are a testimony to the fact that God answers prayers. I don't even have a point for this, but I felt like I needed to say this before I went on any further. Do you know that you are the evidence that God answers prayers? That you are a walking, living, breathing, talking miracle? That you should not be here, yet somehow you are here because God heard the prayers of somebody? You better raise your hand right now if you are here because your mama prayed for you. Better raise your hand. You know you're here because you got your mama praying for you or your sister praying for you or your brother praying for you or your child praying for you. And some of you here think, well, nobody prayed for me. I'm here because God just, he called me out of a flaming bush. He just brought me from the, and he sent a whale to my house. And that's why I got, and that's a no, no, no. The reason why you had that encounter with God in that city in your church is because there was a pastor in your church before you even visited his church that had his staff together in a room saying, we're going to pray for everybody who lives in the city of Orlando right now. God, that you would reach out to them, that you would touch their heart, that you would bring them and that you would move them. Listen to me, you are the product of someone else's prayer. You've got to believe it. People you never even met have been praying for you. You know what our staff was doing last night, our team, before we disbanded, praying for you. 
You thought you came here because you saw a Facebook ad. <laughs> you thought you came here because your girl invited you. You came here because we prayed you here. God had a plan for you. You were here by divine appointment. We spoke you into existence. You are the product of someone else's prayer, which is evidence that God speaks to me and you and you and you. So what are the obstacles of expectation? What keep us from believing in ourselves that God would honestly speak to us? We're going to see that in the life of Samuel. Uh, verse, verse, verse 1, actually. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy. The boys. Everybody say the boy. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. Here's the first obstacle of expectation. I'm young, but he speaks to me. I'm young, but he speaks to me. Do you know that God loved to speak to young people? Absolutely loved it. He spoke to young people all throughout scripture. And if you're born before the 1960s, do not get offended. Because I don't mean young in, in birth date. Uh, Jesus clarifies what I mean when he talks about his affinity for youth, when he says that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child. See, he didn't mean young in age. He meant young in spirit. I am so grateful that Journey Church is a young church. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, is Journey Church a young church? I know you guys are new. Are you a young church? I'm like, well, what do you mean by young? He's like, do you got people born in the 90s? I'm like, bro, we got people born in the 2000s, you know? The 2010s, I said, we got young people born in the 90s. I said, we got young people born in the 80s. We got young people born in the 70s. We got young people born in the 60s. We got young people born in the 50s. We got young people born in the 40s. We got, I don't know if we got young people born in the 30s, but if you, I want to meet you. If you were... Youth has nothing to do with the color of your hair or the pain in your back. Youth has to do with the passion in your heart. We are a young church because we are not giving up on the fact that God still does miracles, that God can do big things through my life. I'm still dreaming, and that's what makes me young. What makes me young is that I still have dreams, that I believe that God is not done with me yet. You got to keep your passion young, y'all. That's a message to anybody who's about to get married or thinking about getting married one day. I'm going to warn you about that first year. That first year in the bedroom, when you go to bed, it's all cuddles. All cuddles. There is zero neutral space. <laughs> there is zero personal space. You're just so happy somebody picked you. You're kind of afraid they're going to leave in the middle of the night. And so this is what happens. This is it. This is, what, this is how you fall asleep for the, first, for the first year of marriage. It's just. Don't go nowhere. I love you. Something happens after year one. This becomes. This. <laughs> then becomes this. Then because four years in a marriage, get off me. Give me some space. Somebody said preach. That's messed up. <laughs> get off me. I need some space. Why are you on me? I'm not going nowhere. But if you continue. <laughs> Something happens in the passion. You know what I love about Samuel? That he has been raised in the church. Literally, he literally grew up in church. And when we find him for the first time in the scripture, he is sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. He's got a bedroom. He don't want to sleep there. He wants to sleep next to the presence of God. That's like, imagine if we dismissed. And you were like, no. 
And like you pulled out a sleeping bag and you were like, I'm chilling right here in the presence of the Lord. Okay. Don't do that. Okay. Because tomorrow's school. All right. And there will be police here. All right. To escort you out. And so imagine that. That's it. See, I love it. Because I say, hey, we got young people born in the 40s. But let me say something too. We got old, we got old people. And, I, I, and you know who you are? I'm going to pray for. I'm pray. We got some old people born in the 90s. We got some old people born in the thousands. What I mean by that? It's just over this. Just over this whole God thing. They grew up in church. They know the glory. <laughs> they know the phrases. They know when to stand up. They know when to clap. And this has become old. Stay young, church. That's not us. We are, Journey Church is a young church. We are young in passion. We are young in our worship. We are young in our, in our, in our prayers. We are young in our dreams. Let's be young. 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 If somebody asks you the journey church is a young church, be like, yes. It's for you. Second, I'm not done with this paper yet. Second, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4 through 8. Oh, I gotta hit this because this is important. Some of y'all are new Christians here as well. Because the obstacle for youth, I didn't even talk about that. The obstacle for youth is I'm a new Christian. Can I just come back real quick? 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Did you catch that? He was, a new, he was new to this thing called faith at the same time. And so there are a lot of people who are new to Christianity. That's what I love about our church also, that we built this church for people who don't go to church. And so if you're new to this faith, if you recently made a decision for Christ and you don't know all the Bible characters and you don't know all the Bible stories, this church is for you. But listen, God is your God. He's not a God of the veteran. He's not a God of the over-experienced. If anything, you have an advantage to hearing God's voice. Because the people who've been in church for a long time, we come into God's presence with answers. But if you don't know God, you come in with questions. Who are you, Lord? Tell me more about you. I want to learn. And it's unfortunate that when we start learning up here, we stop learning in here and so we got to stay young we got to stay curious we got to stay I call it a divine curiosity we got to stay curious about who God is because we're going to spend eternity with him which means that he never gets old and so we should never get old first Samuel chapter 3 verse 4 through 8 Samuel answered here I am and he ran to Eli and said here I am you called me but Eli said I did not call you go back and lie down so he went and lay down again the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said here I am you called me my son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Here's my second point. I love it. I make mistakes. But he speaks to me. Mistake after mistake after mistake. If I was God, I'd have been up in heaven and been like, Samuel, where you going, bro? It's me. I'm going to try one more time. Samuel. Nah, nah, Eli, bro, he already told you it wasn't him. It's me, man. Where you at? One more time. Samuel. You know what? Three strikes, you're out. It's over. <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> Robert. That's it. Samuel missed his call. Samuel missed his call. Tina. Joshua. But here's the most encouraging verse in that entire passage. Verse 6. Look at it. Nope, the other verse 6. <laughs> On the count of three, say that highlighted word with me because it's going to deliver you today. One, two, three. Again. He's the God who calls again. And, and I get excited 
maybe, maybe you don't get excited because you, you, you nailed God your first try around. Like you came to church when you were seven, you've been here ever since, you nailed it. <laughs> Not me. I've been wrestling with God my whole life, and I'm so grateful that he's a God who calls again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And he doesn't stop calling, and he doesn't stop reaching out, and he doesn't stop listening. He's the again God. Again and again and again and again. You ever missed an important phone call? I did. Family day. I don't answer my phone. I put on Do Not Disturb. The only person who can reach me is my wife on family day because she's with me, but also she's the only one who can get through the do not disturb setting. Saturday came, I saw a missed call. It was from one of the most famous pastors in America, cover Time Magazine. I told you his name, you know. He was inviting me to come preach at his church. And I missed him. And I tried calling back, but he didn't answer because important people don't pick up numbers that they don't know. And important people, you don't have their number. <laughs> so he didn't answer. And I thought, who am I? Who am I? He just, I didn't pick up. And so he just found somebody else. To, there are 20 other people, 1,000 other people who can preach better than me. He just called somebody else. Looking at my kids like, it's your fault. <laughs> Stupid family. This was a terrible idea. Terrible idea. What idea was this? Horrible. And uh, I thank God. You know what? He called back. He called back. We had our conversation. Went to his church. I'm so grateful for a God who is a callback God. Some of you guys think that God doesn't speak to you because you missed his call at some point in your life. And now he's gone on to the next person. Boo-boo. He hasn't stopped calling. You just shut off your phone because you're not expecting him to call. Turn it on. And the moment you turn it on, maybe now, maybe when we pray at the end of this worship experience, it's your time to turn that thing back on. And guess what you're going to hear? Ring, 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 because he keeps calling. He keeps calling. He keeps calling again and again and again and again and again. And I got bad news for you. He's not going to call anybody else. He's going to call you. Pick up that phone. Pick up that phone. Pick it up. And I want to give you a phrase, a phrase that I hope will encourage you, a phrase that you can use as a weapon when you hear the enemy tell you you're not deserving to speak to God. You've made too many mistakes in your life, and he's given up on you, and he's moved on to the next individual. Here's my, my phrase for you. Listen, because God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for presence. He just wants you to be there. Here's my phrase. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes or put this in your phone. This is a go-to phrase this week or whenever you feel like, why even pray? I'm a bad person. Present over perfect. Present over perfect. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Not speak, Lord, your servant is perfect. Speak, Lord, your servant is ready to do what you want me to do. Speak, Lord, your servant knows everything about the Bible. Speak, Lord, your servant is free. Speak, Lord, your servant is delivered. Speak, Lord, your servant ain't got no struggles. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Present over perfect. I might not be perfect, but hey, I'm here. I might not have it all together, but hey, I'm here. That messes the devil up because his lie is to get you out of position. But you just look at the devil and you go, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I'm probably going to have the, you're a sinner. You're always going to be a sinner. Maybe. <laughs> but I'm here. 
Here, Lord, you want to speak to me? Speak to me. Present over perfect. Just be present in God. You don't have to be perfect. He'll work on the perfection thing. He does the perfecting, matter of fact, the Bible says. But the spirit of perfection is the one who does the perfecting. So leave that to him. You just be present so that he can work on you. Last passage of scripture. Talk about the last obstacle of expectation. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And everybody said amen. amen. At first glance, you would say amen to that. That sounds like a very encouraging passage of scripture. Tingle. Ooh. I want God to make me tingle. It's exciting. Tingle. <laughs> tingle. Tingle. Yes, Lord. I don't know why I did that. I just <laughs> I wanted to show you that I could. <laughs> Tangle. But it's so important to read context. Because if you just go one more verse, your amen gets really quiet. It's gonna, everybody's going to tingle. It's going to tingle. Verse 12. Because at that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. That's a different kind of tingle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that makes me tingle in different parts. That's not good. See, the people of God were disobedient. Now God had to bring punishment, which, by the way, if you want to not serve God because he punishes those who don't do his will, understand that it's because in his will is protection and love and every kind of blessing. It's like a father who would spank their child for playing with sharp objects. He's just trying to help you live the best life possible. That doesn't dissuade me from a loving God to, to think that he disciplines people. I hope it doesn't dissuade you either. But Eli was not living well, and neither were his children. And so uh, here comes this word, and that's a big deal. And you might think, well, Samuel doesn't care. No, that's a bad word for Samuel too. Why? Because Eli, is, like I said, mentioned this earlier, he's not just a priest. We're living during the time of judges right now, which means that he's also the governor. He was the priest and the judge of Israel. If he falls, the economy falls. If he falls, national security falls. If he falls, infrastructure falls in the country. If Eli falls, it all falls. And so that's what happens. Eli falls. And it, in a bad, bad way, actually. They, they're, they're fighting the Philistines and they bring in the Ark of the Covenant. And, and everybody's excited. The Bible says that when the Ark of the Covenant comes into the battlefield, everybody's like, whoa, yeah. But the Ark is there, but God's not. Because just because you bought an Orlando Magic jersey doesn't mean you play for the team. It's one thing to look like you're a part of the squad. It's another thing to actually be on the squad. And so he's like, just because you're taking the image of me in doesn't mean that you're taking me in. They lose the battle, and the Philistines steal the ark from the Israelites, and they put it in their own temple next to their own God who's named Dagon. Dagon. Dagon Philistine. <laughs> Dagon, Dagon. Anyway, I could do that all day. Anyway. They take the ark next to him as a symbol, our God beat your God. Well, let me tell you what happens. The next morning, the Philistines come into their temple, and their God, Dagon, who's an ugly God, ugly, he, his, his idol is from the waist down a fish's body, a fish's body because they were fishermen. And they got their sustenance from the sea. And so a fisherman's body, his chest was the chest of a woman, and he had the beard and face of a man with muscular arms. That was Dagon. So they get there the next day, and when they get there, y'all, the idol of Dagon, the statue, is bowing face to the floor in front of the Ark of the Covenant. 
as if God was saying, all gods serve me. The ones who live in heaven and the ones who live in hell. They thought it was just an accident, so they put it back up. The next day, Dagon's body is Dagon broken in half. They got, and the fish part, the fish part is, is kneeling in front of the ark. And now the chest of the woman and the beard of the man is also kneeling. As if to say, not just gods, but beasts and men. All creation submit to me. Now that ain't even my point. I just thought it was cool to tell you. Here's my point, and I hope that you catch this. That even though they were defeated, God still spoke. Prepare your heart to receive what I'm about to say. Here's the third obstacle, and I want you to believe this. Listen, I'm beat up, but he speaks to me. I'm beat up, but he speaks to me. Let me introduce you to Justice's favorite toy. favorite toy right here, Buzz Lightyear. But if I'm honest, this is actually his favorite toy version two. I want to introduce you to the original favorite toy. <laughs> this poor Buzz Lightyear been through some things. I'm going to tell you right now, this Buzz Lightyear, he was younger then, we had a dog. This Buzz Lightyear has been thrown off of balconies. This Buzz Lightyear has been blown up. This Buzz Lightyear has been eaten by dogs. This Buzz Lightyear has been set on fire. This Buzz Lightyear, his ankle, his ankle is literally, remember babe, crazy glue. His ankle is literally on with crazy glue. And it will fall every time he will play. The ankle will fall. And we'd have to reconnect the ankle. But that Buzz Lightyear been through some things. Well, Liz and I wanted to be good parents. So we found out that Disney would exchange broken toys for brand new toys if you brought them in. And so we did. We brought the old toy and we gave him the new toy. We gave him the new toy in a box. And we said, here you go, here you go, Justice. Brand new Buzz Lightyear. And he was so upset. He was so mad. He was like, where's my Buzz Lightyear? I was like, this is your Buzz Lightyear. He's like, that's not mine. I thought he would love this Buzz Lightyear because it was new. But he loved that Buzz Lightyear for what it had been through. I said, but Papi, I said, I said, but your Buzz Lightyear is broken. And he looked at me as if to say, he's not broken, he survived. My Buzz Lightyear's been through things. My Buzz Lightyear's been thrown off a balcony. My Buzz Lightyear survived the attack of a pit bull. My Buzz Lightyear's been set on fire. My Buzz Lightyear's been drowned. And my Buzz Lightyear's still here. My Buzz Lightyear made it. My Buzz Lightyear got a story. What's this new plastic box? I don't want this new. This ain't a toy. This don't got a story. What does it have to do with prayer? And what does it have to do with God? Everything. Because life is not lived in a plastic box. Life is lived under attack. And I know something about your life, even though this is the first time we've met. You've been thrown off of balconies. You've been set on fire. You've been drowned. Somebody strapped the M80 to your back and tried to blow you up. Somebody threw you to the dogs. Somebody tried to kill you. And you came to church today limping with a crazy glue ankle and a permanent marker face. Hey, and guess what? God speaks to you, and you don't have scars. You got stories. You got testimonies of all the things that God has brought you through and all the things that God has taken you through. 
You got a story, somebody. You ain't got a scar. You got a story. You ain't got trash. You got a testimony. You've been through some stuff, and you made it. You got a story in your life, and God is going to use those bumps to tell the world about his goodness. He doesn't just speak to you. He speaks through you. He speaks through you. Stand on your feet as we close today. Eyes closed and head bowed. You've been beat up, you've been scarred, you've been bruised, you've been broken. I want to tell you today, you're not a broken toy, you're a survivor. You're a survivor. And your boobs, your bumps and your bruises and your scars, they make you better. And if you want to make a decision to come back home to Jesus Christ, today's the day. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your hand up to the sky as a signal. I know that God loves me. I'm not perfect. I'm, not, I'm young. I make mistakes. I'm beat up. But I want you, Jesus, to live in my heart forever and ever. If that's you, when I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. One. Two, all over this place. Three right now. If that's you, come on. I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Come on. I see that hand. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Father, I'm messed up. I made mistakes. I'm young. I'm beat up. But I'm yours. Take my life and everything that means. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.